Section 25 of the Underground Railroad, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 1, by William Still. Section 25, The Arrivals of a Single Month, Part 4. The following pointed epistle from Jeremiah Colburn, alias William Cooper, beautifully illustrates the effects of freedom on many a passenger who received hospitalities at the Philadelphia Depot. Syracuse, June ninth, eighteen fifty-eight. Mr. Still, dear sir, one of your Underground Railroad passenger dropped you these few lines to let you see that he have not forgotten you, one who have done so much for him. Well, sir, I am still in Syracuse. Well, in regard to what I am doing for a living, I know you would like to hear. I am in the painting business, and have as much at that as I can do, and enough to last me all the summer. I had a knowledge of painting before I left the South. The hotel where I was working last winter, the proprietor, fail and shot up in the spring, and I loose everything that I was working for all last winter. I have written a letter to my friend P. Christensen some time ago, and have never received an answer. I hope this won't be the case with this one. I have an idea, sir, next winter, if I can this summer make enough to pay expenses, to go to that school at McGrowville and spend my winter there. I am going, sir, to try to prepare myself for a lecturer. I am going, sir, by the help of God, to try and do something for the cause, to help my poor brethren that are suffering under the yoke. Do give my respect to Mrs. Stills, and particular to Miss Julia Kelly, I suppose she is still with you yet. I am in great haste. You must excuse my short letter. I hope these few lines may find you as they leave me quite well. It will afford me much pleasure to hear from you. Yours truly, William Cooper. John Thompson is still here and doing well. It will be seen that this young Charlestonian had rather exalted notions in his head. He was contemplating going to McGrawville College, for the purpose of preparing himself for the lecturing field. Was it not rather strange that he did not want to return to his kind-hearted old mistress? Thomas Henry, Nathan Collins, and his wife Mary Ellen. Thomas is about twenty-six, quite dark, rather of a raw-boned make, indicating that times with him had been other than smooth. A certain Josiah Wilson owned Thomas. He was a cross, rugged man, allowing not half enough to eat, and worked his slaves late and early. Especially within the last two or three months previous to the escape, he had been intensely savage, in consequence of having lost, not long before, two of his servants. Ever since that misfortune, he had frequently talked of putting the rest in his pocket. This distressing threat made the rest love him none the more, but to make assurances doubly sure, after giving them their supper every evening, which consisted of delicious skimmed milk, corn-cake, and a herring each, he would very carefully send them up in the loft over the kitchen, and there lock them up, to remain until called the next morning at three or four o'clock to go to work again. Destitute of money, clothing, and a knowledge of the way, situated as they were, they concluded to make an effort for Canada. Nathan was also a fellow-servant with Thomas, and, of course, owned by Wilson. Nathan's wife, however, was owned by Wilson's son, Abram. Nathan was about twenty-five years of age, not very dark, 
he had a remarkably large head on his shoulders and was the picture of determination and apparently was exactly the kind of a subject that might be desirable in the british possessions in the forest or on the farm his wife mary ellen is a brown-skinned country-looking young woman about twenty years of age in escaping they had to break jail in the dead of night while all were asleep in the big house and thus they succeeded what mr wilson did said or thought about these shiftless creatures we are not prepared to say we may notwithstanding reasonably infer that the underground has come in for a liberal share of his indignation and wrath the above travellers came from near newmarket maryland the few rags they were clad in were not really worth the price that a woman would ask for washing them yet they brought with them about all they had thus they had to be newly rigged at the expense of the vigilance committee the cambridge democrat of november fourth eighteen fifty seven from which the advertisements were cut said at a meeting of the people of this county held in cambridge on the second of november to take into consideration the better protection of the interests of the slave owners among other things that were done it was resolved to enforce the various acts of assembly whatever relating to servants and slaves the act of seventeen fifteen chapter forty four section two provides that from and after the publication thereof no servant or servants whatsoever within this province whether by indenture or by the custom of the counties or hired for wages shall travel by land or water ten miles from the house of his her or their master mistress or dame without a note under their hands or under the hands of his her or their overseer if any be under the penalty of being taken for a runaway and to suffer such penalties as hereafter provided against runaways the act of eighteen o six chapter eighty one section five provides that any person taking up such runaway shall have and receive six dollars to be paid by the master or owner it was also determined to have put in force the act of eighteen twenty five chapter one sixty one and the act of eighteen thirty nine chapter three twenty relative to idle vagabond free negroes providing for their sale or banishment from the state all persons interested are hereby notified that the aforesaid laws in particular will be enforced and all officers failing to enforce them will be presented to the grand jury and those who desire to avoid the penalties of the aforesaid statutes are requested to conform to these provisions end of section twenty five recording by maria casper